Curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. 2008 was a very trying time for Metro Detroit, and I was part of the greater Ann Arbor business community during that period of time, which was witness to a very amazing and I think when we look back on it historically will have been a very important time in the uh, evolution of our local economy towards more of a technology and gig-based economy, entrepreneur-based economy. And Amy Sell from Amy Sell Talent was right at the heart of that process when it was going on. And she's since gone on to build her own career, her own company, And I had the very good fortune to be able to welcome her in to have a discussion about the status of talent today, what it's like to be an employer, what it's like to be looking for a job. And then we really dive into some of the mechanics around how to be successful in this process, be it as an employer or an employee, and the ways that Amy has seen in her job in talent acquisition, the ways that other business people are using strategies in order to be successful during the pandemic. I thought it was a really interesting interview. Give it a listen. So thanks for coming on. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of what I know is one of the most hectic times in life, most of the time for a person in HR anyway, much less with what we're dealing with right now. So Amy, so thank you. You're so welcome. So glad to be here. So uh, we're recording this just as we were uh, handed down rules from the state about what can and cannot happen from gatherings uh, as we finish out the month of November and head into the Christmas holiday. And it's obvious that we're frustrated by what's going on. But to me, I think it has much to do with once we get our footing, all the rules change. I thought what better person than someone from the HR field who's witnessing what we're looking at as like the greatest human capital reset like ever and what's going on in the marketplace to come on and talk to us. So what, what, what are you seeing out there? Like what, (laughs) our thing? Oh gosh. Every day is a new day. Um, 
what a difference a year makes when before, you know, the economy, economy was humming along, we were seeing talent shortages in so many areas. Um, and now the reverse is true where we're seeing job seekers being creative in so many ways, but it's such a complicated picture because some areas are doing great. Um, employers are still struggling to find talent in certain key sectors and occupational codes. Um, and then other areas are, have really been hit hard by the pandemic. Um, so it's, it's just, a, you know, again, I can talk for hours about it, but it is um, just, it's very challenging. And my heart goes out to everybody that's been impacted by it. We have lots of friends in the hospitality industry who will be listening to this episode. And on behalf of Amy and I, to all of you, we say our hearts go out to you. We recognize that you guys are really trying to make a go of things when you're not even sure that people want to come to the places that you guys are leaving open on behalf of all of us to all of you. We got your back. We're doing the best we can to help you, right? <laughs> yeah, I was downtown uh, eating outside a couple of weeks ago when we had that beautiful spell of weather. And I was heartened by seeing some of like the igloo shaped things and different pods that are coming out thinking this is going to be great. We'll, we'll be able to eat outside all winter long in some of these really creative enclosures. Um, but then at least for the next few weeks, we're going to, that'll be a little bit of on hold while, you know, we kind of sort through this latest surge, but hopefully that'll be behind us soon. And, and we'll be back outside eating and, and doing as much carry out as we can anyways. But yeah, it is just so, so traumatic for the hospitality industry. Uh, to your point. I mean, I remember our president Trump and his state of the union address being able to confidently say man, woman, child, race, creed, color. If you wanted a job, there was a job for you to have. What I know is that there are many people in the marketplace today who started their business since 08. So they don't have that frame of reference to understand when stuff goes bad. What do you do then? But if you look at 08, mm -hmm. I mean, Uber, came out of 08, right? Like Airbnb, all of those things came from when no one had any money and they were still trying to figure out their way in life. And to say, well, if somebody would sleep on my couch, I would pay them to do that or I'd let them pay me to do that because I need the money. One of the most important things, and I know you're going to touch on it, is like being comfortable with this reimagination and, and understanding that that's okay. Yeah. And, and that's where I was with Ann Arbor Spark at the time in 2008, where the amount of effort that was put into entrepreneurship um, during that time frame made so much sense. I mean, they kind of say when, when, there, when there is kind of a, a dip in the economy, People often go back to school. Uh, they get more, they focus on their careers and their degrees. I have a, have a child of mine that I've said, okay, don't, don't even try to find a job right now because you, you need more skills, you know, go back to a community college, get those skills so that you'll be prepared when there are jobs. But other things are around entrepreneurship. Um, the state, the local economic development organizations put a tremendous amount of money into entrepreneurship in 2007, 8, 9, 10. Um, and really, you know, kind of jumpstarted the the entrepreneurial ecosystem in so many different communities. And um, I expect to see more economic development efforts focused on entrepreneurship and business attraction and business expansion, um, second stage business programs through the Edward Lowe Foundation. There's a lot of effort uh, that the government can do to support job creation for small businesses that I do expect to see um, coming up in, in more frequency to help you know, the people that are struggling with looking for jobs right now. Maybe if you've always imagined yourself as an employee, not given any thought to 
well, gosh, I wonder what resources are out there if I decided that I was just going to go into business for myself. And inherently, I think there's a level of distrust in government conveying with some conviction to the listenership that like there are resources to be had and the state government has gone to great length in the last 10 years. And Amy, you know, it was your participation kind of in that engine that I think gave you the confidence even to say like, all right, like this can be a thing. It can actually work. (laughs) And so Amy style talent suddenly was a thing, right? I mean, you got to witness it firsthand and then apply what you learned in the process. So it's good to hear you say like, hey, everybody, it's okay. You can rely on the resources that are around you in situations like this, right? Yeah. One of the programs I started when I was at Ann Arbor Spark was called Starting Your Own Business. And it's still in existence now. Um, And just a really, and there's the Small Business Development Center has a lot of great programs. Washtenaw Community College has an entrepreneurship program. There's so many more resources around even than I was, you know, in 2008. So Definitely encourage people, if you have an idea, if you want to start a business, lots of great resources to take advantage of or participate in the gig economy. Um, That's another big trend that I've seen over the last decade or so is that, you know, the traditional job that people, you know, go to work, um, I'm going to work for, you know, auto company for 30 years and then retire with full employment, full benefits. Um, You know, the, the, the situation has changed, but it's provided more flexibility more ability for people to work part-time, to have these gigs again, whether it's somebody sleeping on your couch or sitting in your back seat of your car while you drive them around. There's lots of new opportunities to take advantage um, and be your own boss, you know, or be, you know, in so many different ways. So that's a good thing. Or being a contractor or part-time consultant, no matter what you want to do, there's fractional this or that opportunities out there for small businesses that are growing that can't afford a full-time financial officer or marketing person. So, you know, being that fractional part-time resource, lots of great opportunities that can help you also manage the more life you might be doing right now. For instance, if you have children at home or um, caregivers, or you're worried about whatever, you know, COVID exposure, there are lots of opportunities uh, for fractional work out there that you should definitely take and look, you know, take advantage of it and look into. So true, right? The, the notion of when and how work gets done was already eroding. And this was just the dynamite that blew the bridge part. You know, I remember in college in the early 90s, we would always hear that, you know, uh, you're, you're going to have seven different careers in your lifetime. And that is a low number by comparison. And, you know, that was groundbreaking theory in college at that stage of the game, because we still very much were living in that you're going to go get a job somewhere and that's where you're going to work for the rest of your life kind of thing. And boy, oh boy, you know, on the one hand, the security of that seems great right now. But on the other hand, to your point, if my kids are sitting there and I know that my kid's ADD and is never going to get through school, and I know that I can structure my life in a way that's going to let me help them with their education and still afford me the opportunity to make money, what better combination than right now, right, than to be able to have that. So interesting how the circumstances and what's going on have forced us in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, let's get back to what you were saying, though, about we we have winners and losers right now. So where are the winners? What pockets of commerce are you seeing where there's just like heavy demand for people who want to maybe get back into the swing of working? Yeah, I, I would say entry level positions, positions that don't require specific experiences. Um, and they are generally at the lower range of pay. So, you know, 14 to $16 per hour, but there are a lot of 
um, whether at retail or fast food or Amazon warehouses or delivery service drivers for DoorDash, also manufacturing. I mean, the work might be a little bit more difficult, but I know we have two clients that we were really struggling to find entry-level talent for. I mean, one of them was, you know, $15 to $16 per hour jobs, um, you know, some precision requirements. But for, you know, people that are looking for those types of opportunities, there's more demand than supply right now. Um, other areas that have been really hot for the last few years are around skilled manufacturing. So, uh, whether it's injection molding or CNC programming, uh, press brake operators, um, if you have a little bit of knowledge about a, sp- a specific area of manufacturing, those skilled workers, in addition to production talent, um, are still in demand because manufacturing's come back, the automotive industry's come back in Michigan. So, there's a lot of need for uh, manufacturing talent. So more of the entry-level individual contributor positions are key. Uh, Ford and GM just announced aggressive electric vehicle programs. So strong needs, you know, software has never been um, a shortage. Um, Other engineering disciplines that can support those changes and transformation in the automotive industry are going to be hot. Um, Quite a few, and then um, accounting and sales professionals um, there's always a need for uh, professional areas in the there as well. Again, more on the individual contributor side. So where I think it's most challenging is on the managerial level. Sure. Um, either larger companies are reducing because they're trying to make earnings calls um, or and they're trying to kind of reduce costs. Um, and so we're just like we saw back in 2008, a lot of the large companies were going through downsizing and generally, um, eliminating layers and managerial layers so that middle level professional level was impacted. Um, smaller companies were more focused on the individual contributor of who can buy the pro- who can make the product, who can sell the product. Um, so folks that were involved either on the production side or on the sales side would do better. You know, there's fewer opportunities at the top. And when when those positions get eliminated, there's a lot of people looking for that next opportunity. And you also people that want to get promoted into that next level. So executive positions, senior level managers, um, even first level managers or supervisors generally have the highest amount of talent um, to the demand, which has been a trend that we can fairly consistently see across uh, for the last like decade or two. Well, it's demographics driven, right? Or there's a heck of a lot of 50 year olds out there right now and, you know, present company included. I went through that stage in my career where I stopped working for a fortune 100 company and not of my own choosing. So there's lots of people who we call that halftime and there's going to be a lot of people in halftime right now that are listening to this. So they're going to be a bit discouraged to hear that there's a lot of entry level work, but for my Younger folks who listen to this, we have a whole series about um, it's your first job, your first sales job. What's that all? What's that like? And to your point, like this is the time for the people who are starting in entry level work to not think about the specifics of the role they're taking, more so to consider the problems that they as people would like to solve in their career so that your first jobs are the ones that are giving you the skill sets that you're building blocks on. You wouldn't maybe take a retail job or a waitress job unless you wanted a future in sales. 
right? Because you're getting that kind of repetition of person-to-person -person interaction in a waitress job that is going to be the very job you're going to do when you're in sales. By putting yourself sort of in alignment with where you think you want to go. My dad used to ask me, what do you want to do for a living? And I'm like, oh, that's not the right question. It's what problem do you want to solve? Yeah. <laughs> and if you can stay focused on the problem, you can move from role to role, organization to organization, knowing that you're doing the right things for us half-timers, you know, for me, it's then it's like, well, if I'm going to be broke, I should do something that I love. If that's the case and that's you that we're talking about, you know, this is your opportunity to start thinking about if you're going to go into business for yourself, it should probably be doing something that you really love. Yep. Because you'll get up out of bed every day, energized and excited, and you maybe won't think so hard about the fact that your bank account is suffering until you get back to where you're going. But any job worth having is the one that you want to go do every single day. And if you're in that position where, you know, you've been eliminated managerially because of life, mm -hmm. then what great opportunity to, to sort of think that through in that way. Even if it means you maybe have to take a step back and take a more entry level job in a field that you really, really, really want. Right. And that's where also the consulting works out really well, where sometimes companies just need a portion of your expertise. Right. You know, sometimes it's kind of a win-win where you work for you fewer hours, you get paid a higher average hourly rate, um, and it works out for everybody. So um, consulting, contracting, those are opportunities that I'll often see experienced uh, professionals take advantage of because it, there's, there's still a need that is out there. Younger folk who have had the internet for the entirety of their lives are sometimes stymied by the preponderance of choice and they need someone that they trust to actually tell them what they should do. Yep. <laughs> so that's where someone who has experience and some road under their tires can be of real value to someone who's just getting going and trying to figure out their way in life in what is a very difficult time to do that. So. We're sitting here talking to each other via a screen, you know, that, that as a salesperson, that's added an element of complexity that's really presented a whole new set of challenges that most of us aren't accustomed to. You know, I can't read your body language through a computer screen. I don't know what distractions are going on around you while you're talking to me to know whether you're actively paying attention or not. You know, some of these things I think aren't going away. I think some of them will go away. Like, where are you coming out on like, what's going to be permanent? And what's going to be maybe temporary when it comes to what you're seeing in talent? Yeah, that's another great question. I think some of the technology changes that have excel been accelerated since the pandemic were going to happen anyway. So whether it is um, ordering via a kiosk instead of, instead of phoning in an order or telehealth, um, I think some things are, are, you know, they were going to happen anyway, you know, doing more self-service checkouts everywhere, even though I hate that. Um, so I think some things like that are here to stay. I think meetings and business travel will have transformed. I mean, I think there there are a lot of upsides to inefficiencies by doing more on Zoom than coffee meetings or, you know, doing some, you know, eliminating some of the business travel that was needed. Um, so I think, again, nothing replaces that personal interaction. Um, and so, and I think there is a true thing about Zoom fatigue and, um, businesses are struggling with being able to monitor and manage people. You right. know, uh, morale is generally down, stress is up, the work-life separation doesn't exist anymore. Um, but when I've seen surveys, it's maybe, you know, 60% or so like the additional flexibility. So 
you know, my guess is that there, and there's are huge implications to, to real estate and every kind of aspect out there. But I, I think there will be more flexibility in the workplace, which benefits a lot of people, um, especially people, persons with a disability, but it will revert back to in person. I think so many people miss that. And for families that have young children and have really struggled because of the lack of separation between work and life, I think that'll be kind of a, a pleasant change. So, you know, I, I expect a lot of things to swing back you know, maybe 60 to 70%, but not all the way. And some of the good things that we've been able to learn, uh, I think will be kept um, that have improved the work experience. We'll still be selling. We just need to learn new (laughs) skills. Yep. And regardless of whether you have a job, you're looking for a job, you run the company, you're entry level, you need new skills. It's not the same. So what we need to be considering is where do we feel like from a person, employee, owner, like you as an individual contributor within your organization, if there's a part of this change that you love, be its champion. Because the organization probably doesn't have a wide swath of people who feel like you feel in any one category. So by championing that part of it, you actually give yourself a chance to get that gold star in a really key moment for your organization. So by assuming that responsibility, not only could you pace your company's return to success, but you might elevate your own status within the organization in the process. So this isn't a moment for passivity. <laughs> A moment for action, no matter what you're doing, because we all, like I said, need to learn new skills. If you're like, if I could be seen as the company who could teach sales organizations how to be effective Zoom salespeople, I will have work for the rest of my life. Yes. If you believe you have a skill set within that that is unique and marketable, you should be doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so by taking a look at the vista, if you will, right? Trying to elevate yourself out of the trees and look at like, what actually is going on here? Where do I hate things that are happening? Can I help fix those? Or are there places where this change has occurred that I really thrive in and I'm going to you know, double down, triple down on that? I, I, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch what happens in 2021. Heartened by the news of vaccines and yes. just really hoping for right an amazing spring and beyond. In the environment as it stands today, like I'm almost reluctant to ask you this, but am I better off being the employer or the employee in your mind? I would definitely say the employer. With just a few exceptions, now is the time to stock up on talent. There are so many amazing people available. You know, if you want to, again, need a, a key position, a key leader filled, so many great opportunities to get amazing people. Then there's, all, especially if you have a good employee brand, you know, you're going to be able to come out on top even when there are shortages of talent, even in the technology space or entry level space. So um, take advantage of the time now, make sure your brand looks good, your compensation is effective, your culture's in good shape. Um, You are focused on inclusion and belonging, and you're going to do great in the talent marketplace. Um, If you're a job seeker, this is a time to really think about what you want to do, reflect. If you have been thinking about, you know, taking a class or um, taking some time off to pursue another interest, you know, take advantage of that time now and then come back refreshed in a few months. Because I think that the economy is going to be back, you know, I would say three to six months and we will be back to where we were. 
Um, and there's going to be a lot of pent up demand to go out to all those restaurants and do that travel and um, take adv- and all the other businesses, I think, will continue to grow because I do expect there to be state and local support um, at bringing those jobs back as quickly as possible. Woo, brighter days are ahead. So the other thing on the talent side that I will say that I've actually seen and people are doing it and I'm impressed that they're doing it because this is what I would do too. If there is a place that you've always wanted to work, call them. Yeah. Because they have jobs. <laughs> and they may not know that you are the candidate that they should be seeking because every company wants employees who want to work for them. You're not just applying for an open position. You called me because you said, hey, I love your brand. I love your company. I love what you guys do. I love what you're all about. I want to be a part of it. Is there a spot for me? There's absolutely nothing wrong ever to do that anyway, but more so now than ever, it's okay for you to do that because there's so many choices on the employer side that you might get thrown out with the bathwater if you don't do that. Leveraging that and being willing to be just a little bit more aggressive than maybe what the traditional search has looked like in the past. I completely agree. Regularly tell job seekers, you know, identify 30 to 50 companies that would hire you to do what you want to do and reach out to them. Because by the time a job is posted, you know, there's already going to be a huge stack of resumes and you're just going to get lost. And it's not authentic because it, it looks like you just want that company because there's a job. If you call them because you want to work there before a job is even posted, then it really shows a lot of initiative on your part. And companies love that. They want to be wanted. Yeah. I, I just saw a story on Instagram where a job seeker had dropped off their announcement of their intent to want to work for the organization by creating a magazine, a four-page magazine that was basically two portfolio pieces, their resume and a cover letter. And they did it like, and dropped it off and said like, we, we, I want you to understand that I did this specifically for your organization because I really want to work here. And it was the vice president of HR posting that picture saying like, hey, job seekers, see this pile here on the desk? See this one in my hand? Last one, Amy Sal. I've known you for a long time. (laughs) We don't know each other that well, which is kind of interesting because it's like, how is he so comfortable with me when we've never really had a lot of interaction? And it's because I've had the good fortune to be kind of in your orbit in that whole spark and the talent development process that happened in Southeast Michigan in this 10 year period. So, and you've been so giving like to the small business association of Michigan, you're involved at U of M, uh, their center for entrepreneurship. Like uh, I admire you, you're my spirit animal in a lot of ways when it comes to that. What's, what's the advice that you're hearing being given to people? Like what, what's the thing you, you've you've already, I think you're, you're giving some sunshine to the, but I want to give you one last one to just really drive it home that it's okay. People. Well, I would say it's probably around resilience. I, just yesterday, I saw one of those Amazon commercials where a young woman was a ballerina and she, you know, they canceled the show, but then they ordered all the stuff on Amazon to redo the performance. And she, you know, dresses up in a ballerina outfit and is twirling around on top of a building and other people are watching down. And it's just like, and the caption is like, the show must go on, right? It's just like, so it's like so sad, but, uh, you know, but I think it speaks to what goes on in Michigan. I mean, you know, bad things happen. We have recessions. We're used to that. We transform ourselves and, and things get better and you just kind of got to wade through it. So I think we're, I mean, the resilience and the partnership that I've seen with all these organizations um, and knowing what happened in 2008 and with Pfizer leaving and 
uh, and all these different you know transformations that we've been in, things will fill in. I mean, the, the resilience and the community spirit that we have. Um, look what's going on in Detroit. I mean, so I mean that's an amazing turnaround story. So I think we're like the turnaround state. Um, you know, things get tough, and we just get to work and make it through, and we're better on the other side. So I'm excited to see what 2021 is going to bring, and um, I'm just you know excited to be able to, to share some thoughts and optimism and, and to be in your orbit too. And you're using oh, you. these sweet words. So. <laughs> uh, uh, well, the show must go on. Yep. It's not just a great queen song. It's, it's a way of life. <laughs> and if anyone ever doubted the Motor City's grit and resilience, then you're underestimating this area, my friend. So we don't fall backwards. We fall forwards most of the time. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to mean for you and I and the rest of the people uh, listening to the show. But thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. Wow. There was just so much to be had in this episode. I hope that those of you listening got as much as I did out of this, you know, this idea of the fact that the fracturing traditional economy is giving rise to the opportunity for people who have had some time in their lives to accumulate experience to be able to share that information with a new set of business owners who are faced with a very dire set of circumstances in a time that they've never been faced with a challenge like this before. It just seems like a match made in heaven that's just waiting to happen for those people who are in halftime. And for those of you who are considering as you come out of college where you might begin, you know, if you can just stick with that idea of remembering that you're trying to solve a problem that you're interested in solving as opposed to worrying necessarily about the job you might take, you're going to be fine because as Amy said, you just got to wade through it. This is about resilience. This is about community spirit. If you enjoyed this episode and you know someone who's looking to re-enter the workplace who maybe needs just a little bit of a bolt of inspiration or to feel better about the prospects for the future when it comes to being able to get a job, please share this episode with them. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Once we get to 50, we'll be able to unlock a whole new algorithm, which will bring us a whole new set of features and benefits not yet seen to the So You're in Sales community. I look forward to our next episode in two weeks. Have a great Thanksgiving.